0: Welcome back to Birdland tonight. We are following uh, another Orioles loss at Yankee Stadium. That's now 12 in a row. Finally able to break through a little bit there in the ninth inning. Uh, Matt, you said to me, it's it's easier to hit uh, when Garrett Cole's not on the mound.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I'm like, I was pumped for opening day in Baltimore to see some home games. I'm going opening day. I'm pumped about it. Um, but now I'm like just excited to play Boston again, right? I'm kind of done with the playing with the Yankees. How many times do you have to play the Yankees? Uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to do well against Garrett Cole if you can't touch the ball. Garrett Cole pitched great tonight. Uh, and yeah, thankfully the Orioles were able to get some runs just to remind us, if nothing else, Ryan, that our offense is not terrible. Just Garrett Cole can make you look ter- 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 terrible not that, terrible. That's what happened to, t- <clears throat> and that's what happened tonight. Garrett Cole made us look terrible. He sure did. And and simply put, the,
0: the summary of tonight's game is that the Yankees hit the ball hard and the Orioles, uh, until the last couple innings, did not. Uh, the Orioles expected batting average tonight 156, according to Baseball Savant, uh, which is where they they hold all the StatCast data. Uh, the Yankees was 293, um, and the Orioles were hovering right around uh, the 100 mark as, as recently as the seventh inning. So finally able to break through a little bit in the last couple innings, but, but like we talked about, uh, Garrett Cole was him, his typical self. Uh, Dean Kramer, not the best start. He, he, he did some things that I liked that I do want to talk about. But, but overall, it was, it was nice to see the Orioles finally start to hit the ball a little bit near the end. And like you said, uh, our offense isn't, isn't that bad. They just need to get the bats going a little bit.
1: Yeah, for me, we can get into Dean Kramer's start and some of the, um, some of the positives because there were some positives out there with Dean Kramer and with some of the other uh, things we saw. But with Garrett Cole, like, I just, he had 13 strikeouts, pitched seven innings, and still didn't get to 100 pitches. Like strikeout pitchers who also don't throw a lot of pitches just blows my mind. Like every time you looked up, it was 0-2. Like it was 0-2 or 1-2 every time he looked up. Um, and so his ability to not just get you out, but to get you out by strikeout, but like just throw you three pitches or four pitches or five pitches and strike you out, it's just incredible to me. So like hats off to Garrett Cole. He's the best, and he's going to be with the Yankees forever in the AL East. And that's you know we just got to deal with it.
0: Yeah, and that's the whole thing they mentioned on the broadcast that that Garrett Cole's whole mo is uh, is efficiency and his ability to get guys out with not a lot of pitches and the Orioles were helping him out tonight and they did, yep. they did the same last night and it's it's aside from the the game I think we walked seven times the, the third game in Boston but other than that there, there
1: just hasn't been any patience at the plate yep and we see that on the other side like we see that from the Yankees side them being patient and and getting the, those walks and I mean, and it's hard to tell, right? From the from the like, it's hard to understand how good Garrett Cole is. Like, why when Dean Kramer throws a ball in the dirt, does no one swing? But Garrett Cole throws a ball in the dirt, and they and they swing every time. Like, what? and Dre Mancini, like a good hitter, swings the balls in the dirt. Um, well, it's because Garrett Cole is that good and and that deceptive with with uh, with the ball. So, um, yeah, your your hats off to to Garrett Cole and the way he pitched. Uh, again, though, it was nice to see when he left. Um, that we did start making more contact after Garrett Cole left to remind us that yeah we have some hitters.
0: Yeah, and w- I guess when you're when you're able to paint 98 uh, low in the zone and then drop in an 89 mile an hour slider that starts low in the zone, you're going to get a lot of swings and misses, and that's exactly what Garrett Cole did tonight. Uh, now in the ninth inning, the first homer of the season. I'm going to bring this comment aboard, Rio Ruiz. Not to brag, he was my <laughs> Dong City pick tonight, uh, but. Uh, Rio gets us on the board. Uh, it's the Orioles' first homer in five games. Does that concern you?
1: Uh, no, it doesn't concern me at all. It's it's funny, right, that it's Ru- Ruiz. He would not be. And good for you for, for picking him because he would not have been at the top of my list um, yeah. at in any game uh, to, to hit a home run. So so good for him. And But I think this, you got a combination of cold weather. I mean, it's just, in Ryan, I, I'm i curious your take on this. There's been talk because the Yankees, too, up until their opening series, I don't think they hit any home runs. Until they started playing the Orioles. And we tend to, you know, um encourage home runs from other teams. But but there's also talk about the, you know, the, the the deadening of the ball this year. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. And also, it's like it was, it was, it was cold in Boston, right? So we were scoring runs even without the home run. So we have power hitters on this team like Trey Mancini and Ryan Matt Castle. And so I'm not, no, the no home runs or the Ruiz, our first home run concerns me Zilch. I am curious if there's other things going on at play, like a, a baseball that's a little a little softer or something.
0: It's possible. Scherzer gave up, I think, four home runs today, so uh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's having a little bit of trouble with it. If, if well, ball's
1: not soft, yeah.
0: No, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> now, uh, the Orioles avoided their second consecutive shutout, uh, but they have now scored, thanks to Ruiz's homer in the ninth, that got us two. Uh, that's now three runs in our last 24 innings since we exploded for seven in Boston. And the Orioles are known for doing this kind of thing where they seem to have a little bit of an offensive explosion and then they go silent for a few games. And, uh, hopefully, uh, with this ninth inning home run, that gives the offense a little bit of something to carry over into the series finale tomorrow. And, and hopefully that can continue to trend in the right direction because the last couple games, the offense just has not been there.
1: Yeah. And Ryan, I don't know what your take on this. I was, we were doing the, you know, section 36 yesterday, And I was like, my philosophy this season is like win as many games as you can against the Red Sox. Try to compete against the Rays and the Blue Jays. And then if you can win one game out of three against the Yankees, like you try to take one game out of three against the Yankees. And I think our best chance to win one game is tomorrow with John Means. Um, But like you don't like the Kramer versus Cole matchup is a matchup you don't expect to come out of the winning end on that very many times.
0: Yeah, and I, I another comment I want to pull up. Don't blame the ball. I guess we blame the bats.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I was no, I was talking about Ruiz's home run. Like I wasn't yeah. I was complimenting Ruiz on his home run. That was the context for the ball. Why why the Orioles haven't hit many home runs. Uh, no, the the ball is fine for the Yankee players.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, the, a couple home runs that were kind of aided, uh, in a sense, by the short porch in right field tonight. Ruiz was caught by a fan in the first row. Bruce's, I think, went a couple feet back. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, you know, it's a little league ballpark. They lucked out with that home run, but um, you know, and and, and in a sense, yes, uh, it was 105 miles an hour off the bat, 46 degree launch angle, which is very high. The ball only went 354 feet, but it had an expected batting average of 220. So uh, oh, really? most of the time that's going to be caught. Now huh. I did ask Mike, Mike Petriello, who is uh, one of the, uh, I don't want to call him a nerd, but one of the stat nerds who who helps with baseball savant. And I asked him cause I was looking for uh, a place where I could find how many ballparks that would have been a home run in. And he told mm-hmm. me uh, 14. So one mm-hmm. less than half, but Oriole park is included in that 14. I, I did my research and looked that up. So yeah, it, it looked like one of those short portrayed home runs, but it, it really wasn't a cheapie. I don't, I don't think you can really fault him for that. And then Rio in the same boat was, was a few feet shorter. So perhaps he was helped out even more than Bruce was with that homer.
1: Yeah. I think Jim Palmer's quote on the Bruce home run was like a typical Yankee home run or a typical Yankee stadium home run. Like one of those balls where um, a Yankee s- stadium just seems small, right? It seems like that seems like a fly ball that doesn't get out, but I mean, I mean, your your boy doesn't lie. But that's a home run in 14 stadiums. That's a home run in 14 stadiums, including Camden cam Yards. Uh, so yeah, can we can we that's go on back? The flag court? Yeah, it's on the flag court. Um, that's that's you know, I don't know how the flag courts going to look uh, with you know with the new restrictions. But that's I don't that's know. about 10 fans running around ch- 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 chasing a ball on the flag court. Which right. is always one of my favorite things to see people running around the flag court chasing balls. And so oh, now, yeah. actually, hopefully, with less people, it'll be you know, a fun little race between three guys out there trying to catch a ball. Right. Might be fun. The three ball hawks that go to every game, they'll be out there for sure. Hey, Ryan, can I ask you some questions about this game? I know you have... Please do. Some notes you want to talk about. I just want to... I just have this question that's been bothering me. So can we go back to the first inning? Uh, Cedric Mullins gets on base because the guy just, just hits, right? Which, by the way, can we talk about how different of an offense this is when Cedric Mullins can... If he can really hit and play well like this. Like, for me, like, that's a game changer because we've been struggling to find a leadoff hitter since, like, Brian Roberts, right? And and here's a guy who can, if he can hit, he can also steal. It also allows you to do cool things like not waste one of your best hitters, like maybe an Austin Hayes, in the leadoff spot. So I just think it's huge if Cedric Mullins is really this kind of leadoff hitter who can hit for average, which is a big surprise and kind of huge if he can do it.
0: And we saw Mullins get on base to lead off the game. In fact, his single was our, our hardest hit ball all game until I believe uh, Franco's double in the ninth uh, was was the next hardest hit ball or the only ball hit harder than than Mullins' single in that first inning. Uh, now, yeah, when you, when you have a guy like Mullins who can steal a bag um, leading off the game and, and able to set the table for the team, that's going to be huge for the guys below him in the lineup. And we saw him tonight, of course, unfortunately, he was cut down at the plate on, on a ground out. But um he was able to get on base, steal a bag, advance over to third on a wild pitch and and those are the kind of guys you want at the top of the order
1: yeah, and I wouldn't ask you that about the the is this i don't know I don't know what the what the standard like what the rule here is is in baseball or what the what all teams do here is when you have a speedy runner, even though the infield's in Mullins was going on contact and and it was a ground ball directly at an infielder, and he was out by you know several feet. Is is this typical that, that you go on contact even with infield in?
0: In in some cases, yes. Um, and I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think an, anytime there's a ball on the ground, less than two outs, I think you have to be paying attention to where that ball is gonna go. Uh, but if you hesitate, then you run the risk of getting thrown out at third because you do take a lead and you're off the bag. So on a hard hit ball like that, there's always the chance that the guy's just gonna pick you off right at the bag. So it's it kind of puts you in a tough spot. Um, I don't hate going on the pitch against as a team like the Orioles going up against the Yankees. I don't hate running on contact there only because you want to try to get as many runs as you can out of this team. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can come back to bite you when, like you said, it's a hard hit ground ball right at somebody.
1: Yeah, it look, it looked bad. The optics looked bad. But but you're right. Like it, it could be um, the first baseman could could bobble it. It could be a high throw. Like there's a lot of things that could go wrong. But when everything goes right, you're like, "What are you doing? Like, just let, just wait a second. If the ball goes through, you go. But it was hit so hard and right at him. Like, why, why are you running home? Um, but that wasn't like for Mullins. That wasn't a base running error, right? Like that's what he was. He's supposed to do that in that situation, right?
0: Right, and I'm I'm sure that was something relayed to him by the coaching staff. And we've we've got a, a little negative comment about the the base coaching so far. I'll be honest, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to that uh, up to this point. But uh, yeah, that's that was a call. I don't think that Cedric made himself. I think that was relayed to him by Brandon Hyde or the third base coach or, or wherever it came from. And uh, yeah, like, like we like we mentioned, it was it's unfortunate that the ball was hit right at the first baseman and he made a good throw and got the out. But you know, every once in a while, you got you to gotta take that risk. Uh, now, uh, a couple guys came in in relief for the Orioles. I, we'll get back to Dean Kramer. I, I have a lot I want to say about him. I love his cutter, uh, but, but we'll get into that in a second. Uh, Adam Plutko came in uh, with the bases loaded. Uh, a few runners that were inherited by Dean Kramer walks uh, when, he, when he lost his command a little bit there in the fourth inning. Walked the bases loaded. Second consecutive night, the Orioles have loaded the bases via, exclusively via the walk. Uh Plucko came in, uh got a ground ball double play right away. Uh did allow uh, uh two of those inherited runners to score, uh but gave us three innings and did not have a run charged uh to his name. So uh what what did you like from Plucko tonight?
1: Yeah, well this is the second time he's done a similar thing, right? Where he's he's coming in long relief and pitch really well and not giving not giving any runs and First of all, you got it. You can't walk Yankees. <laughs> you got this walking Yankees. It was like deja vu with walking the Yankees. You, you can't do it. But I thought Pleco pitched really well, and I was thinking like, is this guy going to be someone who um, transitions into a starter at some point? But then I thought, you know what? The way our starters right now are pitching, and it's early in the season, they're not going deep. Like it's really nice to have him where you can pitch him, you know, in three games, or, or he can pitch once every three games or four games. Where it's nice to have that option. Um, that kind of security blanket in Pleco. Um, the other thing was, and maybe your numbers, Ryan, I'm, sh- I'm curious what your numbers says, because he wasn't striking guys out, but like, he seems like every ball was inducing weak contact. And I don't know if, if that's what your, your your nerd stats over there says, but or your spot page says. <laughs> but from my perspective, it was like, man, this all this guy does, his stuff doesn't seem to be overpowering. It doesn't seem to be like fooling hitters. Uh, but what he does do is he produces over and over again weak contact
0: He certainly did that in in his uh, second couple innings. In the fifth and the sixth, he he produced some weak contact. I will say, though, that fourth inning when he first came in, Lemayhew's ground ball double play, that was hit at Mm. 94.8 miles an hour. Judge singled at 110.7. Gardner's double was 101.6, and then Stanton's ground out (laughs) 95.7. All right, take it it all back. (laughs) He did give up some hard contact at the beginning, but he did really settle in, and for those last couple innings, they were clean, and uh, and he didn't give up uh, anything – with an exit velocity over 94.7, it looks like, uh, Clint Frazier fly out. So uh, yeah, he, he really settled in. And, and if he's a guy who can can eat up some innings when we run into a problem like we had with Dean Kramer tonight, then then that's a valuable guy to have on the team for sure and, and a, a solid pickup. I admit I wasn't big on it when it first happened, but uh, he's he's proved me wrong so far. And and when I have a, a negative view on a player, that's all I want is for them to prove me wrong. And and so far, Plutko has done that for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And then after a Pleco, it went to, to Tyler Wells, which I thought was interesting, just in the decision making on, on on Hyde's part. Like it seems like Brandon Hyde is going to pitch these rule five guys, and and Tyler Wells at that point, what it was, incorrect me, it was a three nothing or four nothing. It was a four nothing game at that point, so it's still a game within reach when Tyler Wells comes in there, which to me shows Hyde has some faith in Tyler Wells. And I guess if you're going to keep two Rule Five guys, you can't just hide them all year. Like you have to to use them. And so Tyler Wells, I thought pitched um, pretty well. And I'm just, it's interesting, right, the way that Hyde is going to use these Rule Five guys.
0: Well, he used one last night in the bases with in a bases loaded situation against Aaron Judge. Yeah. And Max Roller, uh, he he came through for us. I admit I was nervous, but uh, <laughs> you know he 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 pitched well and he almost didn't get that baseball back. He the. I guess it was Severino behind the plate, threw it right back to him, and he was getting ready to pitch to, to Aaron Hicks. And then the, everyone in the dugout was like, no, 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 <laughs> throw us the ball. So he got to keep that going. Uh, now, I, I do want to talk to Dean Kramer, but um, or talk about Dean Kramer. So uh, Tyler Wells, like you said, was good. Uh, it's interesting how Hyde how has used these Rule 5 guys so far to start the season. Uh, and then Wade LeBlanc came in, and he was mm-hmm. uh, not good. Uh, gave up a three-run homer to Aaron Judge, which was uh, very loud off the bat. Not quite as loud as Giancarlo Stanton's Grand Slam last night, which uh, I was I was at that game and I watched it fly and I, j- my jaw just kind of dropped. That was a very impressive home run. But on the topic of Giancarlo Stanton, he hit two balls tonight that were hit harder than that Grand Slam last night. He hit a single at 116 miles an hour and a double at 117 off the bat tonight. His uh 471 foot blast last night was 113 off the bat. So I think it's safe wow. to say Giancarlo's is going to be okay when he does make contact because uh, Yankee fans love to, they, they were preemptively booing him before the grand slam because he came up with the bases loaded and they're like, oh no, this guy again. He doesn't have a hit yet on the season and then he, he plants one over Monument Park out in, in Yankee Stadium.
1: Yeah, if you got a problem with Stan, well, I'll take him over here. Shoot, you, you can know send him our way.
0: You know what's funny about Stan? I was I was at the game last night with my friend Danny. Uh, he he met me up here in PA, and we drove over to the game. And so there were three years in a row that we tried very hard to see Giancarlo Stanton play when he was with the Marlins because we both loved him. He's he's yeah. a fun guy to watch if he's not on the Yankees, right?
1: It's oh, absolute blast. Just go watch him do the bullpen. Yeah, do, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So 2016, we get tickets to go see the Marlins at at Nats Park. And uh, about a week before uh, the game we were supposed to go to, he takes that fastball to the face and, uh, mm-hmm. and is, is out for the rest of the year. Uh, the following season, we get tickets to go see him at Nats Park. Uh, he gets hurt again. I think it was a, a hamstring or a calf injury, misses that game. 2018, we finally get to go to a game where he's playing. It's a single admission doubleheader, which is the best kind of baseball <laughs> you could pay for. And we're thinking we finally get to see Giancarlo Stanton play in person. We want to see him hit a home run. Uh, he went 0 for 9 with three strikeouts in that doubleheader. <laughs> hit a a weak ground ball single in the ninth as we were walking out of the stadium, and then we get to see him last night in a Yankee uniform and he hits a 471 foot grand slam. But I digress. You want to talk about Dean Kramer?
1: <laughs> well, the other just one comment by Wade LeBlanc. Yeah. He was bad, and the timing again is kind of unique, right? Like I was not surprising his, I was not expecting his first appearance to be in the eighth inning of of a game. So I think, I mean, I think. I'm still looking to see how Hyde is going to use his bullpen pieces. He's got a yeah, bunch of weird, odd bullpen pieces. I mean,
0: you're in a situation where you don't want to use, uh, you don't want to burn Cesar Valdez or Tanner Scott in, in that kind of situation. Armstrong came in last night for his pr- first appearance of the year and gives up a grand slam. You got Scroller who pitched last night. Uh, yeah, Fry, pitched yeah, last night. Yeah. Fry pitched last night as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it puts Hyde in a tough spot when when his pitchers aren't getting it done for him, but... Uh, you know, got to give Wade LeBlanc an inning here and there, and uh, you know when the game—I guess the game wasn't quite over yet—but when it looks like it's it's not going to go your way, then
1: uh, wow. what can you do? He made sure it was over when he came in. But okay, so but talk about Dean Dean Kramer.
0: Yeah, I I love Dean Kramer. His numbers tonight, I could I'm giddy about talking about Dean Kramer's cutter. I love. <laughs> I love Dean Kramer's cutter, and, and he clearly does, too, based on his usage. It's a pitch that I talked to him in 2019. I was out at the Arizona Fall League, and I got a chance to interview him for an article I was writing for Utah Street Report. And I asked him what he was really trying to focus on in the Fall League, because there's a lot of good prospects there, a lot of really good players, and you're trying to refine your craft and, and pitch well against these guys. And he told me that he was really trying to hammer away at his slider and turn it into a better pitch. He wasn't happy with how the slider progressed during the course of the 2019 season, and he really wanted to take it to the next level. Well, it seems to me that uh, he completely ditched the pitch altogether, kind of refined it into more of a tighter break, harder pitch, and, and so the cutter was born. It's a pitch that he uh, clearly has a lot of confidence in. He threw it 31% of the time tonight, uh, sorry, 36% of the time tonight, as opposed to 19% of the time in his four starts that he made last season. Mm-hmm. So it's a pitch he had a lot of confidence in. He left a few out over the plate a little too much for my liking, uh, but... It's a pitch, like I said, he clearly has a lot of confidence in. Um, it, the usage is up. The spin rate is about 2,500 RPM, which is 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 right up there with the good ones. And let me ask you, Matt, when you think of pitchers in the game today who throw a good cutter, who do you think of? It was Mariano Rivera for a while, but now there's another closer who uh, throws oh.
1: almost exclusively cutters. See, I can't think of the word cutter without Jake Arrieta, so I'm trying to get past that. Uh, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now Bundy throws one for for, uh, for yeah. LA, no, no of Bundy has too. one.
1: Um, shoot, um, I don't know. Help me out. Who who has a good who who has the best cutter now in baseball?
0: Sorry to put you on the spot. I wouldn't say it's the best in baseball, but it's it's the guy who throws, I think, the most of oh, them. The most, and that's okay. that's Kenley Jansen, uh closer for the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's known for throwing his cutter in on left-handed hitters. Ryan, it's I'm the, not
1: staying up till 1 a.m. to watch him that's close true. games, that's, all right? It's too late that, for me. <laughs>
0: that's West Coast baseball. Now uh an interesting stat that I found as I was I was watching the game and, and crunching some numbers and looking up some different things. Um there's a stat called CSW. It's called Strikes Plus Whiffs. So any pitch that you throw, that's either a swinging strike or a called strike. And uh, Kramer's percentage of those with his cutter tonight, uh, first of all, he threw uh, 31 of them. He got five whiffs, six called strikes. So that's a 45% CSW um, and a 31% whiff rate on that cutter. And Kenley Jansen, who throws the most cutters in baseball, the last time he had a whiff rate of 31% or higher on his cutter was 2017. So that just kind of shows you that the cutter that Kramer is working with right now uh, it's it's a very effective pitch, and I think as he learns to locate it a little better in the zone, mix in that slow curveball, and and really locate his fastball on the edges, I think it's going to really be an effective out pitch for him as he continues to progress. And this was only his fifth big league start, so there's still a lot of room for improvement with Kramer.
1: Yeah, that's really encouraging. A couple of takeaways for me with Kramer was, um, and this is, and I mean, and you can talk more about this, but like for me. Every pitch, his like v- variety of speed in his pitches, right? He can hit ni- ninety-six with his fastball, which he wasn't up there very much tonight, to be honest. Um, but he can also like every pitch is it'll go with ninety-one and ninety, which I guess is mostly his, his cutter, and then he'll he'll drop it down with the curveball, and it just seems like he has uh, a bunch of pitches that go that that are different speeds, um, and he does a really good job of mixing up his speeds with it with it, with his pitches. Um, which that was one of the takeaways for me watching him pitch tonight.
0: Yeah, and this was mentioned by Palmer on the broadcast tonight as well. And and this is something that I've loved about Kramer since I saw him out in Arizona, and that is that he's willing to throw any pitch in any count. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll drop in a, a curveball at 76 on a 1-0 count if he wants to, and and sometimes he'll get a swing out of it. Sometimes he'll drop it in there for a called strike. But his, like you said, his willingness to change speeds and mix his pitches is is going to bode well for him. I think he just needs to learn how to really attack major league hitters because it's a lot different than the way things are in the minor leagues. Hitters aren't as prone to chasing pitches out of the zone; um, they're they're more prone to make better contact with pitches in the zone. Uh, but I think that's going to come with time. From a pure stuff standpoint, I really like what we're working with with Dean Kramer, and and I think that Chris Holt is going to um, work wonders with him, and and hopefully we'll 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 have at least a, a mid rotation starter out of Kramer.
1: Yeah, I hope so, and. I mean to quote Palmer again, and this is going back, I don't think he mentioned this in this broadcast, but he's, he's talking about it pre previously, this idea of pitchers throwing strikes to balls, right? So so it starts in the zone and then by the end it, it ends up out of the zone. And for me, like that that outpitch, that that the curve ball specifically it seemed too much tonight to not be in the zone at all. Um, and Severino did a great job blocking a bunch of balls in the dirt. But but for me, and like why was he not more successful? To me, one of the big things tonight was just locations on his pitches, right? And this is for all the understandable reasons. First start of the season. He's a young pitcher. It's the Yankees. Like, you might nibble a bit more for all the understandable reasons. And the second thing he ran into at the end of his start, clearly what was, and Palmer called it out, and it seemed to be obvious, fatigue, right? The miles per hour went down, and he just could not locate his pitches anymore. So it seems like he was tired. He was tuckered out by that fourth inning.
0: Yeah. And that'll happen when your pitch counts up to 80 in the fourth. Um, and and that's yep. unfortunate, but yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you're not fully stretched out just yet. Yeah. That that'll happen. Now uh, Stefan mentions here that he needs to trust his battery mate because he he shook him off a lot. And that certainly is the case. I, I did see that a lot uh, as well tonight. Um, the, the issue I have with that is I'm not sure how much I trust Pedro Severino to call a game. Uh, so you know, and obviously Severino has been in the league much longer than Kramer has. So I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt for that. Uh, but uh, until we have a guy like like Adley Rushman behind the plate, um, I, I think I, I think it's important to trust your catcher, but I also think it's important to trust your own instinct and your your own feel for your pitches and, and know uh, how you want to attack a hitter in a certain situation. So I can see that argument that you need to trust Severino. I can also see the other side that I like that he has confidence in what he wants to throw himself. But I think that'll come with time. I think it'll come with chemistry. I don't know off the top of my head uh, who caught Kramer more often than, than the other guy last season. Uh, I would assume it was Severino most of the time. But I think that's going to come with experience and, and learning how to attack hitters a little bit better at the major league level.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned that relationship, right, between Severino and Kramer. Like, I don't know how many times uh, Kramer, uh, Severino has, has, has caught him. And so how well does Severino know Kramer right, and know um, what he's comfortable with on any given night. And and I'm I'm with you where, well, I'm, I'm probably not with you on this, where I'm, I'm like, I don't want to say I, I don't like Severino and I don't like Chance Disco. It's not fair to them. But, like, I'm so itching for Rutschman that, like, any pass ball, any, like, strikeout, any any mistake, however minor, I, I just think in my head, oh, if Rutschman was here, <laughs> he would not have made that mistake. Like, I'm so itching for Rutschman that I'm like, okay, Severino. I've seen enough of you. (laughs) Let's get our top prospect here.
0: Yeah, well, I, I tweeted earlier tonight that that Chance Cisco is playing like he wants the Orioles to call up badly pretty soon. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm on board with you on that one. Um, now we'll we'll uh, we're we're hitting our time limit here, but um, and we'll preview uh, tomorrow's show very briefly. But I did want to bring something up that hit the news today, and that is that Heston Kierstad will not be part of the Orioles alternate site, at least not to begin the season. Uh, we have a comment here that that he looks like another bust, like Harvey. I think it's way too early to 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 point that out. He he tested positive for COVID and end up, ended up with myocarditis, which is a heart condition that kept Eduardo Rodriguez out for quite some time last year. I don't even, I'm not sure if he's even pitching yet, but um, I mean, the, we're, it's, it hasn't even been a year since the draft. We haven't seen what he can do yet. I think it's way too early to call him a bust. Now, if he ends up with a history of actual physical issues, you know, uh, whether it's ligaments or whatever, something like Austin Hayes, where he can't seem to stay healthy in, a, in a, an athlete sense of the word, then, then yeah, maybe you can start to talk about how he's injury prone and how he might not not make it big. But I, I think it's I personally just think it's it's too early to to think about that, especially considering what the kid's going through right now. Would, would you agree with that, Matt?
1: I agree hundred percent. I think it's weird to like knock Elias for making this pick as if he should have anticipated what would happen with dad and COVID nineteen. Like it's just weird. Um, like it's not even you're not even criticizing his play on the field. He hasn't been been able to get get on the field. We saw this happen last year. Right, a similar issue, right, with Eduardo Rodriguez um, with, with COVID. And we're seeing this again with Kerstad. And so, th- I mean, this is one of those issues where he wasn't coming up this year anyway. And so just chill out on the bus talk and let, and, and let the kid be well and be healthy. I mean, certainly the, the kid wants to play ball. The kid wants to be healthy. So kind of let that happen. Some of these things take time. As we know, the, the lingering effects can be, can be can last for a while. We don't even know how long they can last. And so, yeah, get off the kid's back, get off Elias' back, and let's just kind of wait and see what happens. And we definitely uh, hope for the best with it, with his health.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we send him our best wishes, obviously, and hope we can get him out on the field soon. But, uh, you know, until we do, until we see what he can actually do when he is on the field let's 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 pump the brakes on on calling him a bust or a wasted draft pick or, or whatever
1: that may be but but i mean Michael elias opens himself up to this right when he does something unconventional and that's why people criticized because he took a yeah. chance he took a risk did something un- unconventional and people you know if he would just would have went with i don't know Lacey or martin or someone else who was higher who was higher on everyone's list they would not be subject to, to criticism but I mean, we we pay Elias to to make tough decisions and sometimes to make risky decisions that if they don't work out perfectly right away, people are criticized. And that's what's happening.
0: Yeah. Now, there's another from the same commenter, or uh, something else coming in. But I don't I don't want to get into a, a whole debate about this, because, like I said, we're, we're running we're hitting, out of time. We're hitting <laughs> a half an hour here. We've, we've been on the air for a little bit. Uh, Orioles fall to the Yankees seven to two. Garrett Cole is with the win. Dean Kramer takes the loss. Tomorrow's a series finale in the Bronx. John Means will take the hill to follow up his dominant opening day performance. It'll be Jamison Tyon making his, making his Yankees debut tomorrow. Uh, and hopefully we can pull out a win. Matt, Sounds what do you like want to see to out me. of Means tomorrow?
1: Sounds like a W to me.
0: Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Paul Valley <laughs> and Joe Basilio will have the postgame show right here at Birdland tonight. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RyGuyBlake. You can follow Matt at Section 336. You yep. can listen to our podcast. His is in the name. Mine is Give That Fan a Podcast. Uh, hopefully, I'll have an episode on Thursday. I've been a little bit inconsistent, but I'm going to try to get back on a regular routine, start doing some video things like this. So uh, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Matt, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, and, it was fun, Ryan. Uh, and hopefully we can uh we can be back on the post game show. I will be back for the home opener on Thursday and, and I look forward to uh speaking with with you viewers uh when the time comes. That right, sounds good. Take care everybody. See ya.